setting up an ERP system is not an easy thing to do. But if you think through it and go through the steps and get prepared, that ERP system is going to help you through that digital transformation, which industry 4.0 is, right? It's really trying to get to that digital twin. Welcome to the Sound of Automation, brought to you by Wifley, a top 20 advisory and accounting firm. Hello and welcome to the Sound of Automation. I am Brian Prozik with Wifley. Today we'll be diving a little more into Industry 4.0, our last uh, our last episode kind of covered some of the more theoretical aspects of it. So we figured it'd be good to to kind of give the the other side of the argument, what it's like to uh, to go through a practical application of some of these technologies actually out on the shop floor. So joining me today is Gary Cruz of uh, HeroTech. Gary, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Brian. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, no, thanks for Gordon. thanks for agreeing to come on. So, uh, I guess before we dive into the kind of the meat of the episode, you want to just give everybody a little bit of your background and kind of why we would have uh, tapped you to talk about Industry 4.0. Sure, sure. Um, my background is an electrical engineer. I graduated from Lawrence Tech. Uh, I started with HeroTech just over 30 years ago. And I've been doing controls and automation for the last 30 years in the automotive business. Um, I work for a company that is a global company. Uh, We have operations in eight countries, 30 locations. And we're a tier one supplier to the automotive. So we supply closure systems. uh, That's your doors and your, your vehicles. And exhaust systems to the automotive. At the same time, we design and build all the equipment that we run manufacturing on. So my background is really automation. Yep. So you you obviously uh, very familiar and, and have bumped into a lot of these technologies that you know I often I often like to say I could probably talk to ten different people about Industry 4.0 and get ten different answers of what exactly it is and and what they're trying to do with it. Uh, and so I, from my position as a reformed engineer and now turned uh, accountant, um, I, I see there's this gap right between the theoretical of you know additive manufacturing and machine learning and digital twins and all those things that on principle sound great but then when it comes down to um to actually implementing that on a shop floor there there's a pretty big gap in 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 my mind and i think you would you would agree with that so just curious based on your experience both within hero tech and i know uh you've, you've done some work with some other smaller manufacturers and things like that where do you see the common issues that the small to mid-sized manufacturer runs into when trying to adopt some of these technologies? Um, I'm going to start with a preface. Uh, being the automotive, automotive and automation has been pretty well advanced. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing this for 30 years. We're, we're designing parts in product design in order to manufacture them. Mm-hmm. So the goal has always been from the, from the OEM, how can I take their tooling cost down? How can I take the, the running cost down? How can we lower the cost of this part so I can keep my vehicle at a lower cost, right? So the automotive has really been doing this heavily because we're automated, we're highly, we're making a lot of parts. So what we're doing up front is we're designing the part so that we can manufacture it, yep. designed for manufacturability. And if you're running a 
manual process and you're you're doing things the manual way where you have a hammer in hand and you're tacking it together with with a torch or a manual uh, spot welding system you don't think about what it takes to do it automatically mm -hmm. so the big big thing i see um when i go to a shop that's making stuff and they have a whole bunch of welders that are doing it manually they can take a hammer move it over a little bit slide it into place tack it down and make it make the assembly go together yeah and if you think back to um the fit and finish for the last 30 years at one point the japanese were better than the, than everywhere in the world for fit and finish and 30 years later everybody's about the same for fit and finish mm -hmm. and what to there we designed the product for manufacturability yep that's the biggest key starting there yeah and i think you hear or at least i've heard you know some horror stories of oh we tried to automate a step in our process and it just went horribly and so we you know we're we're little gun shy to try and do something else but oftentimes it's i think it comes back to exactly what you're saying there is not having a good understanding at the outset or just saying okay i'm going to replace my existing manual process with a robot when as you mentioned if the if the design's not capable of of meeting the criteria for that robot to weld you're just gonna you're gonna be throwing away money and you're gonna be upset and miserable with the process as you go through it right right so if you're doing arc welding and you've got to do a fillet weld between two pieces of metal mm -hmm. and that line keeps changing uh, because you didn't put some geometry uh gd and t to the parts so that when mm -hmm. i set them together that they make um repeatable right within a certain tolerance so that my my process my autom automated process can happen automatically yeah Technology is getting there. You could use vision. You can use some other things to get there, but it's not 100% there yet. Not yeah. like a, a refined process where everything's perfectly in place. And now I can have a robot and program it to a point and do its work. Um, and technology is changing. I mean, it's getting closer and closer to where we can put vision on a robot and do it almost everywhere. But it's it's not quite there yet. The last 10 years has been huge in how it's changed technology keeps changing every day and it's advancing quick yeah yeah and then you find yourself in kind of in this loop right of the the technology advances so you need to update your designs to accommodate that newer technology which then drives changes in your processes and it's it's kind of that continual loop of you know evolving the both the the design of the part and the process for manufacturing it right i mean even for tooling design or the designs we're doing today in the past we had all manual um milling centers and bridge ports and, and lathes and you did everything with a with manually and with a with a um, protractor right or or mm -hmm. a caliper to measure your your parts as you're making them today with cnc automation the whole manufacturing process has changed right yeah it's all digital and now if I do it digital and I do it all according to math and my CAD, my CAD drawings, it should be darn, darn good. I yeah. don't need as much slip planes or adjustment because my tolerancing is going to be a lot closer. Mm -hmm. So that's changed the way we design things also. So the manufacturing process, laser cutting out of a flat sheet metal, where before you took a, a torch and you blew it apart or you put it on a big bandsaw and let it cut forever. Yeah. But even the new um, processes help drive ways to uh, automate better. 
Yeah. And I know my, you know, my engineering background was in, in the world of stamping, right? And so you just always, you always had that idea that there was going to be some level of scrap, right? The, the, the runners that the were holding the parts together as they went through the progressive die or whatever, it's like, well, that's just going to be scrap. But now, uh, as you mentioned, yeah, are there, are there other ways to get those parts, you know, fabricated that are then going to go into the next step of the process that, that don't have that same level? Okay. Yeah, maybe you're, maybe you're paying a little more on the front end to process the part, but in overall, the process is going to be more efficient because you've got less scrap or you're able to maintain tighter tolerances or whatever it might be that, uh, that the, the benefits are as you go through it. So, you know, hero tech, and I'm going to put a little punch out here, industry 4.0, big data, advanced robotics, simulation, integration, IOT, um, AI, cybersecurity, cloud computing, additive manufacturing, augmented reality, right? Yep. Big data, we're, we're just starting on that because yeah. that, that is fairly new. We're collecting data from everything out there. Advanced robotics, we've been simulating full lines for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. What we haven't done is simulated 100% where we put in all the safeties, all the controls, all the paths, everything where we can get to a point where you can do a virtual tryout. 100% yeah. virtual tryout. Uh, simulation is huge, right? And not only for automation, but you just mentioned dyes. How can I simulate my dye process to eliminate scrap? Mm -hmm. How can I simulate my my um, my final part so that I can uh, do the assembly and it matches perfect what I want for final dimensional? Yep. All that's on the right on the verge of hitting the next level. There's there's companies out there that are are using this technology to do virtual simulation, right? To help us get to that point where we have vir virtual tryout, and we can we can take less of it less of the tryout to the floor and have it all done in a in a room, right? Yeah, yep. So the technologies are are advancing pretty quick. Integration, I mean, that's your digital ERP systems. How do I tie each 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 um, department together? That ERP system ties every department together. You can't miss it, right? Um, from purchase order to uh, final production and shipping, it's all in that ERP system. You have a digital chain, right? We're talking about digital twins. Mm -hmm. That digital twin is what we get from the simulation as well. So just out of curiosity, because you, you ran through, you know, a pretty big list of, you know, technologies that most folks associate with, uh, with Industry 4.0. And just curious to hear, you know, your approach or, or hero tech's approach of, of how do you prioritize and select these things? Because, you know, that's, it's kind of the proverbial, how do you eat an elephant, right? <laughs> it's, there's just so many places to, to go and to start. Uh, I'm curious how you've seen successful companies prioritize where they're going to spend their time and their energies first, and then work down the list. You know, it's a little bit of everything. And I was where I was going is we've actually done a little bit of every one of these uh, these topics, right? It's yep. a step by step process. You got to start where where can we start? How do we get into this, right? So the big data, we started collecting data on our presses. If our press goes down, it shuts operations down. Yep. So we're starting to collect data so that we can figure out when that press might predict it go down or when we should be doing maintenance. Yep. It's not a big project. I'm just, I got some sensors on it and I'm collecting data. At some point, I'm gonna figure out how to do the analytics to that data. Yeah. Meantime, I'm collecting some data so that I have something to work with. It's not, I, I don't have a full blown solution, but if I don't start collecting data, I won't I won't have it. 
to actually figure out how to use the next step in the solution. The advanced robotics, we've been doing uh, robotic assembly. Actually, at Herotech, we brought a lot of different practices mm -hmm. to the U.S. in the 90s where we were doing full robotic systems, and most of the OEMs are, were doing full hard automatic tooling. So uh, flexibility of robotics is there, but we've also started using the uh, AMRs, right? So we added AMRs to one of our processes. We had AGVs. Now we've added AMRs. We're testing it out. We're running production. We're seeing how how we can be more flexible with it. Uh, simulation, that really came along with robotics in, in the late 90s. Simulation was, was mandated by our, our customers. So now that we have that simulation, we're trying to take it to the next level. Um, the integration, the ERP system got rid of all the manual Excel sheets and manual paperwork and all that. Everything goes into a database. It's easy to report, right? I think every company you know, that's running production should have an ERP system. And if they're setting it up properly, they're going to be using it to help them run the operations with uh, bad data today that helps me solve my problems for tomorrow, right? Instead of waiting for a month, hey, they got some bad parts. Well, I've got a month report before I got it because somebody put it into an Excel sheet and then figured out how to put it into a PowerPoint to show it to management. <laughs> Instead of I got that data today, yeah, because the ERP system can give you that data today. That's to me is the integration side. It's it's really a, a we're touching each area, and I'm saying just touch it a little. Look at how you can put it into your operations, because setting up an ERP system is not an easy thing to do. But if you think through it and go through the steps and get prepared, that ERP system is going to help you through that digital transformation, which Industry 4.0 is right. It's really yeah. trying to get to that digital twin. Yeah, and and I like what you said about uh, the project you're undertaking. With the with the data acquisition and hey, we're going to start collecting data from a couple machines. We're going to see what that data tells us, and then we can figure out. It's it's almost um, you know I feel like it's kind of borrowing from some of those maybe not exactly, but but like the agile methodologies, some of the methodologies that the um, that the technology and software companies have really focused on of failing fast. You know, just do something, learn from it, then do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing versus uh, you know, kind of that um, waiting till you have the perfect mousetrap before yes. you implement, because you're never gonna you're never gonna know all the potential challenges and pitfalls. So taking that step by step iterative approach gives you a chance to because you might you might start going after these two machines and then realize, yeah, we're not getting much there. But if I take this exact same thing and put it over here, now I'm getting some actionable insights. So yeah, the first the first project I did was uh, I set up our CNC machines to collect mm -hmm. data about uh, the cutter cutting. Yeah, one was the spindle spinning, and one was it not spinning. And if I had a per, an operator working at the machine and it spent more time open and not spinning, it helped me have insights. Right? Oh, I got to figure out how we can change this stuff out faster. Yeah. How can I get that cutter cutting? Because that's where I'm making money when I'm cutting, not when I'm setting it up. So that was the first project we did. And then we took that same concept and we brought it into our automation. And we put it on one of our assembly lines in, in production. And we looked at every slice that was stopping the line from running. We collected enough data that we could look at every step of the way and say, hey, we're getting a lot of slices here. If we can get rid of those, that robot will be on time. It'll be less, less of a bottleneck. Yeah. And we applied it little by little. I mean, we've been doing this for six years, seven years, actually. Um, applying it to our, our automation yeah. step by step. 
That's I, I love that example of the spindle spinning because I've I've heard so many um so many examples like that where it's something just that simple, right? Is it spinning or not? And then when you when you realize, okay, we're spending 50% of our time with this spindle not spinning. Now let's start figuring out what the causes of that are. Oh, hey, half the time we're just waiting for parts. You know, we, we don't have good material flow. So if we can fix that, you know, it's not that it's a maintenance issue. It's not that it's, you know, the workers aren't there. It's it's literally, we just need to get parts to the cell to keep it going. Right. Quick fixes. And and it's it's all coming from, from one very simple KPI spinning or not that's all we need to know and and a lot of this speaks to i think having the the culture that kind of embraces that willingness to to try new things and fail fast and know that not every idea is going to be a home run but if we you know if we step to the plate enough times we're going to get a few that are and and come back so is that uh, uh what's what's your feelings on how culture impacts the ability to have successful implementations Culture impacts just because people don't like change. So yep. if you're running a manual system now and all of a sudden you want to automate it, they're going, oh, you can't automate it. Can't happen. Yep. Never. You can, you can never do that until you actually show them the process it takes, right? Yeah. So it's, don't try to automate everything all at once. Show them one good area that you can automate and then let the rest of the team figure out where's the next best area to automate, right? You're trying to get engagement. Yep. Management wants to automate. I'll give you money to automate, but if you don't have the team on the floor engaged, it's pretty hard to automate. Yeah. There was a, a book I read yeah, this was years ago called Switch, and it's all it, it gives some basic ideas for how to manage, you know, transformations and things like that. And that was one of their examples is, you know, go for those couple small wins where you can get people going, get get motivation behind it, and then you can build to other things, but find uh, find one, and and I can't remember. This wasn't from the book. This was another article I had read somewhere. But they were talking about the I think it was the British cycling team. They set a goal of a one percent improvement in all facets of their program, with the idea that yeah, one percent's not much. You know, get get the bike one percent lighter, go one percent faster. But as you now start adding all those one percents together, you, you pick up momentum, and it and it really makes some pretty significant change. So uh, I, I think that's a great piece of advice to not not think you have to do this huge project and this huge change. Focus right. on little things that then get people excited about doing this. Right. And that, and that fits along with the, the Toyota way, right? The mm -hmm. Toyota way. I got 30,000 employees. If each one could come up every day and, and figure out how to save a penny, that's a lot of money. That's a little bit of change, but it's a lot of money in the end. It's a lot of change in the end. If you get everybody to come up with that one penny of savings, maybe today it's got to be a dime, but back when he <laughs> stated that, a penny was a lot. You know? Yeah. No, so it's it, is, it is the small. But the other one is having that champion from the floor. You do have to have a champion from the floor or from the area that you're 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 there. You've got to you've got to get somebody on board that wants to take it home. Because the guy upstairs that's dreaming it up and doesn't yeah. live it is not going to make it happen. I guess how have how have you approached that thing in trying to to find and get that champion on board? Because I I could I could see in a lot of environments where it's like okay now this is just another thing and this is another flavor of the month that I'm going to have to deal with. And so I, I guess any 
anything you've done special in that area to try and typically people i go out and listen to their problem hmm. and then i hopefully can help them change to eliminate that problem or get maybe it's an upstream change that, that has to happen so i work on helping them get that change but i also work at them saying now how can you help me get to this change this next change this is what i see this is my dream start thinking about how do we get there yeah. right so we have to plant the, the dream or the seed to your employees this is where we want to get to start thinking about what would how can we get there it's actually planning that challenge excellent well, well, Gary, I appreciate you coming on. This has been uh, been helpful. I know it's it is interesting as I listen back to the last episode, and and it's it's very high on the conceptual and and all the great things, which I do think Industry 4.0 creates a lot of potential for uh, for manufacturers of all sizes. Uh, it's just how do I take this this nebulous concept and draw it down to something. Uh, that will be impactful for my business, which I think you did a, a, a great job at uh, giving some some practical examples of how how folks can do that. So, um, just out of curiosity, if if anybody is uh, is is listening to this and they want to reach out, you know, understand a little bit more about about yourself and Hero Tech, what's the the best way for someone to to get in touch with you? Um, email Gary Cruz at HeroTechAmerica.com. Or you got my cell phone number, 248-640-3886. Send me a text. We can talk. Excellent. Well, Gary, thank you very much for the time today. It was a, a great conversation and uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. And I, I, I love talking about this. I love change and I love technology and I like to figure out how to use it. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like us, subscribe, and share on social. To learn more about Wifley, visit us at wifley.com. That's W-I-P-F-L-I dot com. Perspective changes everything.